Hi, everybody, and welcome to the third and final part of our Be Rich series. Throughout this series, we've been thinking not about how to be rich in material things or in wealth, but how to be truly rich, to discover true riches through extravagant generosity, because we think that uh, the way we are truly rich in our lives is in our generosity towards others. One of Jesus's first followers was a guy called Paul, and he said to other Jesus followers, and in fact, he commanded them really. He said, be rich in generosity and good deeds towards others. And that's what we've been thinking about through this series. And we've been talking about being rich in our giving, being rich in our serving. And today we're talking in the final part of this series about being rich in love towards others. Now, you know, Maybe you're a young person and you started a new school back in September and it was a bit scary and you were a bit worried, but you pushed through because you know that school is important and good for you. Maybe you're not a big fan of going to the dentist. Maybe it scares you a bit. It certainly scares me, but you go anyway. We go anyway because we know it's important to have healthy teeth. Or maybe you're scared of injections. That's the last thing you want. But you do it anyway. You get your COVID jab anyway because you want to be protected. You take courage and bravery from what is you know is on the other side of that thing that you're pushing through. And you push through anyway because you know what's on the other side. You take bravery and courage and you go through it anyway. You get your jab, you go to the dentist, you do that first day of school or whatever it might be. Well, you know, today's story is one all about bravery and courage. It's the bravery and courage of two of Jesus's first followers who were faced with a really scary and dangerous situation, even more scary than the first day of school or going to the dentist or getting that injection if you're scared of injections. But these first followers of Jesus, they pushed through to the other side of that dangerous situation because they knew something that was so valuable and so important and they took bravery and courage from it. But actually, do you know what? It was even more than that because you see, they'd experienced something so significant and so profound and so, so good, so brilliant that it compelled them to keep going. Now we find this story in a book of the New Testament part of the Bible called Acts. It's a book about what happened to the first followers of Jesus after Jesus had gone back to be with his father in heaven. And I love this book because it's the story of the birth of the church. And it's the story about how the good news of Jesus spread way beyond the small geographical place where Jesus had lived and worked. It's a story that's full of adventure. It's full of bravery and tragedy too. It's full of excitement. And actually, it's our story. If we belong to a church, if we're part of a church community, it's our story because it's all about the foundations of this thing that we call church. Now, we're going to look at some verses from that New Testament book of Acts, and in particular, some verses that we can find in chapter four of that book. And it's a story about Peter and John, these two followers of Jesus. They were some of his closest friends and his first followers. They'd been telling people about Jesus. They'd been talking about what they'd experienced when they lived life with Jesus. They'd been praying for people to be healed as Jesus had commanded them to do. And one of those people that they'd been praying for was a man who had been lame, but who could now walk. And in the outcome that came about from all of that 
we hear and see this story taking place. And this is Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to read some verses. You can see them. Uh, behind me and I'm going to pause every so often and just reflect on some of the things that are said in those verses. So this is Acts chapter 4 verses 1 to 2. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So let's pause here just for a minute. People and John Uh, Sorry, Peter and John have been telling people about Jesus, about his death and his resurrection from the dead. But some people didn't like it, as we see here. Some people, we're told, were greatly disturbed. So hold on to that. Some people didn't like it. Let's see what happens next. Those people, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them into jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed So the number of men who believe grew to about 5,000. So they put them into jail because they can't do anything with them that day because it's late in the evening. So they put them into jail, but actually that didn't stop people continuing to respond to the message, even though they'd seen Peter and John put into jail. So we read on verses 5 to 7. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now this is really serious because these are the governing rulers and authorities of the day. This is the religious leaders uh, and people who kept the law. So Peter and John are in a really serious situation. They would have known that these people had the power to keep them in jail, or even worse, to have them killed. And it wasn't just physical punishment that they could have been about to receive. There was the potential for social punishment too. They could have been outcast from Jewish society, the society in which they lived and they grew up. They could have been like cancelled, I guess is some of the language we might use today. Their livelihoods, their social interactions, their reputation in the community could have been gone with just a word from these people. They could have been removed from religious life too, stopped from going to the temple, kicked out from amongst the people of God. So they could have been physically punished, socially punished, and religiously punished as well. So the stakes could not have been higher for them, and they would have known that. And they didn't have wealth or powerful connections or expensive lawyers or anything like that. You know, there was no incentive for them to do anything other than shut their mouths and try to get out of this dangerous situation. So how did they respond? How would you have responded? How would I have responded in this situation? Would we have simply tried to keep the peace? Would we have tried to wriggle our way out of this difficult situation that we find ourselves in? What would Peter and John do? Well, here is what they did. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which 
we must be saved. Now, I don't know if you realize it as I read that, what's going on here. They do the complete opposite of keeping the peace. They take courage from the filling of God's presence. They do the complete opposite of keeping their mouths shut and doing what was necessary to get them outside, out of this tricky situation. This filling of God's presence, the Holy Spirit, gives them bravery and courage, and they speak words which they would have known was going to get them into big trouble. They say all of this is happening because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I mean, that's like, woohoo, big trouble. And then they say salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This would have caused big trouble because all those other people, all those other religious leaders, they didn't believe that. This was a challenge to them. There is no other name by which you can be saved. Well, what would the reaction be to this uh, speaking out that Peter and John have done? Well, we see the reaction in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished at the courage of these men. They knew what it must have been taking for them to do that. They were astonished at the courage. And also, I love this, that, that they are referred to as ordinary men. So they, they weren't particularly well-educated. They weren't wealthy. They weren't influential. They weren't powerful. These were ordinary men. And they were standing up to the authorities of the day. And it was astonishing. And by the way, we should take comfort from that, that Peter and John weren't anything special. They were ordinary people, just like you and I with the empowering of the Holy Spirit and because of what they'd seen in Jesus, they had courage and bravery that was extraordinary. So the rulers and the leaders of the day, they go away and they have a chinwag because they don't really know what to do, but they want to stop them from speaking. So they have a chinwag. I'm going to skip forward a few verses, but you can go back and have a look at that in your own time if you want to. And then they come back and they call them in again. Verse 18 says this, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they give them an out. They say, basically, we're going to let you go. There will be no punishment, but you just got to keep your mouth shut. You can't tell anybody about Jesus. You can't speak or teach at all in his name. So here's an out for Peter and John. Don't say anything. Keep quiet and we'll let you go. Now, again, <clears throat> let's just be really honest here. Who would have taken that out faced with these circumstances? I mean, we might, we might have taken that out, right? But look what Peter and John do, verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know, you do what you like. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. It's, it's almost like they're saying, you know, we're shaking in our boots here. We're terrified. We're afraid. We know you can ruin our lives. We know you can take everything away. We know you can throw us in prison or worse. And we know you're telling us to keep quiet, but we just can't do it. We can't stop speaking because what we saw was so good and so important. We can't help it. You know, here's the thing. They had experienced something so utterly profound, so significant, so totally life-changing that they couldn't help but talk about it. 
the love that they'd encountered in Jesus, the mission that they'd been called to by him, the sacrifice that they had witnessed when Jesus laid down his life for them, and the power they'd experienced when they encountered Jesus risen from the dead was just too much for them to keep quiet, even when faced with the prospect of jail or even worse, of social inclusion, uh, exclusion, of physical punishment. They just couldn't keep quiet. And that fueled their bravery and their courage and enabled them to push through and carry on. And actually, by a miracle, they were let go and they carried right on. They went right back to what they'd been doing. They went right back to telling people and sharing the love of God and the message of Jesus. And almost every single one of them, not just Peter and John, but others of Jesus' first followers and his closest friends, almost every single one of them would end up giving their lives. They were let go in this situation. But in many others, they weren't. And many of them, almost all of them, lost their lives. They'd be tortured, exiled, killed. But they would go to their graves claiming Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was who he said he was. And in him, there is salvation and there is life. And by the way, I think this is some of the most compelling evidence of the truth of the Christian story. If you're not a Christian, well, it's so great that you're with us at ABC and so great that you're engaging with this series and this talk today. And if you want to know why we believe what we believe, it's because of evidence like this. It's because of the changed lives of people like Peter and John, people who actually ran away when Jesus was arrested, but who, when they'd witnessed him resurrected from the dead, realized he was absolutely who he said he was, and they would go to their graves proclaiming that message. You know, Jesus' last words to his friends and followers was to go into the world and pass on this good news to the people of every culture, every race, every language, and every place on the planet. And they did, because they realized that they had the greatest news ever, that God really does love this world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the only way any of it makes any sense. And they couldn't help speaking about it. You know, good news is contagious. When you have good news, you can't wait to tell other people about it. And they had the good news, the greatest news of ever. And it was too good to keep them to themselves. They couldn't help speaking about it. And if you're not a Christian, then this is the nub of what Christians believe. And this is the kind of evidence that has us convinced that this is true. So what has all that got to do with our series, with being rich in generosity and good deeds through love? Well, it's this. People of Andover Baptist Church and beyond, friends, church family, we have this same good news. We are the people of good news. The good news that life to the fullest is possible, that God has shone light into the darkness of our world and shown us how to live. The good news that God has given his son so we can be set free, that salvation is found in him and a relationship with God is possible both now and for eternity. We have this good news that death is not the end. Darkness does not win. We have this good news that when we are lost, we have one who knows the way. And the best possible way for us to show love to our communities and the world we, in which we live is not to keep quiet. It is to show the way to the one who is the way. And that can start with a simple invitation. Come and see. 
come and hear about the God who loves you. It might be an invitation to come and sit with you on a Sunday. It might be an invitation to an Alpha course where you can discover the basic truths of the Christian faith. It might be an invitation to our big quiz night in Aid of Tear Fund in November. It might be an invite to a family event, a youth event, a young adults event, a songs of praise service. I'm so convinced of this. If we are Christians... And if we don't keep the fact that we're Christians a secret, we don't need to bash people over their head with it or preach to people. Our friends and work colleagues will simply ask us about it one day. They will. And one of the easiest answers we can give is, well, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and see? Why don't I invite you to a service or an alpha course or a, a, a social event or a, whatever it is? And introducing people in that simple and gentle way to God is the most generous and loving thing that any of us can do. We can be rich in generosity and good deeds by lovingly praying and inviting people to encounter the love that God has for them. Let's pray together. Loving God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for this incredible news that you sent your son to this earth to put everything right, all the mess, all the chaos, all the pain, and that we get to be in a relationship with you because of Jesus. We thank you that your love is not contained for a few, but it's for everyone, every single person here on earth. And that we pray that you will give us the strength, Lord, to reach out to others, to share our faith, share the hope we have, and to invite people to get to know you and to encounter your love. Amen. We're going to uh, play a song now that really speaks into what Chris was talking about, this idea of just sharing God's love, inviting people to get to know God. It's called Come to the Table, and I love to think of God just inviting every single person who wants to get to know him, who's interested or curious about faith, to come to the table and to be with Jesus. So feel free to uh, sing along as you sit, just take in the words. Uh, and let us just reflect on what Chris has been sharing with us this morning. <clears throat>